sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of the Torah. Please Adonai our God sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you Adonai who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you Adonai our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. For those that are listening from Myrtle Beach, there's a new listener there, as well as uh, liberal parts of uh, Denver and uh, faraway parts in uh, Washington State. Let's talk about that last passage just for a second. Blessed you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. For whom was this blessing written? Israel. 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 How is it that you as a Gentile, not an Israelite, 
can effectively, and I think rightfully, pray this particular praise to God. You've been grafted in, and you've been grafted in because the blood of Messiah Yeshua Yeshua allows you to be selected. I mean, the Presbyterians do have some of it right. You were chosen. God chose you. All right. So. That's right, yes. From all the nations. Just trying to help you. Just trying to help. Work with me. Work with me. Okay, for those that are not with us physically, this week's portion, the 50th, out of how many? 54 is called Kitavo, or in Ashkenazi, Kitavo. That's right. 50th portion, and if you had to summarize this to someone who has no idea what portions are all about, what would you say is the main theme? Keep the Torah. <laughs> Keep the Torah. Or else. <laughs> or else. <laughs> Turn or burn. Turn or burn. Yes. Blessings and curses. Do who happens. Yes. That's exactly right. So we've got some serious bad things happening uh, in this uh, in this particular portion. So we're going to uh, is there anybody who has a read the portion? Anybody show up that just you know, I figured well, they're going to do some Bible reading, We're and I'll just show up. So, for those who are here for the Torah service, I know you already heard this. So, what's the uh, what's the Flame Foundation reading for this week? Luke twenty four. Luke chapter twenty four. How many chapters are in twenty four? Twenty four. How many? How many chapters are in Luke? So it's right at the end. So let's flip to the end of. The book of Luke. Lucas, yes. If you don't have it, we're going to read it out loud, so don't sweat it. Yes? It's a little warm in here? Hold your breath. I must have a mask. That is going to leave a bruise right there. Right there. Yeah, we set it down to 71 when there was no one here but my family, and look at all of you. Yeah. Doing the best we can, guys. We're going to pick up in uh, verse 44 of Luke chapter 24. Should we turn up the fan? Did you turn up the fan for this young lady? I think you pull the short string once, should get it. And then one more time. There it is. That should do it. Should we do the same thing over here? Just to uh, see what that does. Of course, five minutes later from now, they all stop spinning. And, you know, is that better? Look, are you in the perfect spot or what? <laughs> Yeah, it's jiggling the lights. Okay. If it comes down, guard my granddaughter. Yeah. Guard my granddaughter. You know important. Your time will come. Then he said, to, and these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the Torah of Moshe, and the Nevi'im, and the Tehillim, must be fulfilled. That's the law of Moses, and the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, Thus it is written that the Mashiach should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that teshuva and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all of the goyim, all the nations. 
beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethani and lifted up his hands. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. When do you lift your hands to bless someone? Ironic benediction. benediction. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. What does that mean? I think they, yeah, they they prayed, they blessed God out loud, right? They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. Continually in the temple, blessing God. So, I think uh, Scott was telling me that the the key here with uh, his family was then to move to the book of Acts. And to see, because uh, this this end of Luke is kind of like the to be continued in your favorite television. Dot dot dot. That's exactly right. (laughs) Next time in the Chronicles of Luke. (laughs) Previously on NCIS. Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) He went there. (laughs) Strike that. What's NCIS? Uh, (laughs) Acts chapter one. Is that a new version of the Bible? Chapter 1 and verse 4. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Father, which he said, you heard from me. For Yochanan baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Ruach HaKodesh not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, and they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of the Galil, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Yeshua, who was taken up from you into Hashemayim, will come in the same way as you saw him go into Hashemayim. They returned to Yerushalayim from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Yerushalayim, a Sabbath day's journey away. I guess that's important. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room and stayed there and had locks and bagels. So, um, <laughs> it's that NCIS version. That's right. <laughs> Keep working. Keep working. So, what's uh, what is this we've just heard of? Well, that that was just the same thing. But what is it? The ascension. The ascension. How biblical. How. Oh, ecumenical. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little clip up in Nazareth. You can go in your church right there. Yeah, that's exactly Church right. of the Ascension, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ascension Lutheran. Are you saying he was Lutheran? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so... That would explain why he had fish. Yes, that's right. Why, why would the Flame Foundation have put this particular passage and hooked it to this particular portion? Why would they do that? 
Anybody? I, I, I thought I asked you guys, and you said this whole portion, key Tahoe, when you come in, is all about cursings and blessings. I think I know why. Because it's talking about, the also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This Yeshua who has been taken up from you will come down in the in just the same way that you have watched him go into heaven. You say Yeshua or you say Jesus? Jesus. So you translated that on the fly, did you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're exactly right. The focus is on him coming back, mm. not on the fact that he was going away. That's good. Who can elaborate? Because I think the last one was when you go. go. When the last portion. When you go out, Titsetsei, okay. this one's when you when come, you come in, in, Ki Tavo. <laughs> and the portions are named for a reason. That's right. There is room in that home school if you. <laughs> I think it's related to the. Ah. I think that the reason that Plain Foundation chose this portion is the same reason why uh, why uh, Hazal chose uh, the uh, Haftar. Let's turn to the Haftar in Isaiah chapter 60. I think Rick has hit it well, on the head. Actually, it's, it's, it's in agreement with what Oh, no saying. question, yes. The, the, the idea of this Haftarah portion, if you have a chumash, by the way, your chumash is not just a Torah. It actually has the Haftarot for each portion in the back. So if you got one of those and didn't know that, you're good to go. It doesn't usually have the Haftarot. That's correct. Mm-hmm. I guess Pete's going to be publishing one of those, so you can say that they will sometime. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good luck Who is the light yes. of the world? Yeshua HaMashiach. But also us. And we are lights. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. As we continue to go through here, it appears to me that this is when God will make all things aright. And when does that happen? When Mashiach returns and initiates Messianic times, right? And then this can come to pass. And it it looks like it's a reversal of what had happened. Who can find me the the phrase in here that just really puts it back? I thought we we saw where the Lord says specifically, I was kicking you and I'm going to stop doing that. For behold, darkness may cover the earth, and a thick cloud may cover the kings upon you, and I will shine as glory will be seen upon you. The sun will no longer be for you in the light of day and the bright. Uh, by wrath, I struck you. Yes, thank you. That's it. Favor, I Foreigners shall build up your walls, verse 10, and their kings shall minister to you, for in my wrath I struck you. When did that happen? 
Who's the first one? Uh, the first one is the plague here. Absolutely. Second. Second one is the second. Well, we got a lot. Here, right? Give me big ones. Okay, so we have the first exile, and you have the, the, the people being uh, being kicked out of the land. Taken out of the land. And, why? And that's why you have a lot of these because they didn't come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? They didn't get the land, the rest, specifically. So if you're of the mindset that it's only the Big Ten that I need to worry about, mm-hmm. and really all of God's word is not important, all the stuff he, just the stuff he really meant. <laughs> love your name. Yeah. yeah. And love God with all your heart. But how? And it appears that one of the ways, according to this very portion, is if you don't give the land the rest, you're going to get kicked out of the land just like he promised. He is a God of his word. All right? Got another one after that. Second Second temple. First gets destroyed. That's amazing in and of itself. That God chose to place his name there. (coughs) Called it his habitation. Hamakom. He's the place. And he chose to let it get destroyed. Next. Sixty years later. You're out of the the land, right? The last Jewish revolt. 132, 3, 4-ish, somewhere in there. And boom. What do we got? The great. What what they're calling the Roman exile, which which they believe is actually still still going on. When do they believe? When does Chazal? When when do our Chazal? Anyone? Our sages of blessed memory. What what do they say? When when will the Roman exile end? When the Shiite comes. So this, this has been a long one. This has been a long one. So we've got <laughs> two thousand years. I think the, this passage just says something very powerful about um, God's approach to sin, not just His wrath. I think it's easy to read these curses and talk about these exiles and think of it as though God's angry. You know, this sort of vindictive. You made me mad. I'm going to hurt you now. But in actuality, when you read the scriptures and the talks about the curses, it's interesting how very few times it says, I mean, it does say God will put these on you, but it doesn't, it doesn't, the language is not even so much like, and I will strike you and smite you, it starts that way, and then, and then it almost like it shifts away from that, like this one bad thing will happen to you, another bad thing will happen to you, and it's almost like we have to think about the fact that all of our sins have actually a worse impact on ourselves and on the world that we live in than all of these curses. In other words, the only reason God's putting these curses on his people is because it's the only way to get them out of the sin that they're engaging in, which is actually worse than the curse itself. How many times do we see God saying, if only my people would turn from their sin and listen to me, heed my commandments? Extraordinary. I don't know. Are we going to go spend some time? I'm going there. Move us there now. Well, I mean, um, the, the, the curses mentioned here are a lot. But they're, they're not the only curses mentioned in Torah. And we have we have another uh, portion that has curses as well. And the sages said that these curses actually are blessings in disguise. Mm-hmm. For the, precisely the reason Joshua offers is that their purpose is to cause repentance mm-hmm. and to draw us back. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing as judgment because I think when we see when God judges the nations, they're done. That's mm-hmm. judgment. 
eat. Read toast. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it ends there. That, um, it's, I mean, on a rare occasions, God promises repentance for some of the nations he judges. But the overall final judgment is it. But with people, it's the same thing with Hebrews. He chastises those he loves. Yes. Amen. Just like a loving father. Build off what my father was saying. Um, they go on to talk about why it is that there's there's other places that the, the blessing person talked about. This one, there's 93 mentioned. And then there's another portion of 48 curses are mentioned. Okay. And that one is just before the giving of the Torah. And so the idea being that, okay, so we have a portion just before the giving of the Torah when you have all these, these blessings are laid out, and it's half as many as a portion just before you have the Torah. And the ones in, uh, right before you give the Torah, that's the point when people are supposedly reaching, they're stepping up, and they're probably at that point about as righteous as they are. As, as they ever really seem to be for the most part within the, the Torah. At that point, you know, great joy, all these different things like that. And it's like, by the way, though, make sure you do this because these bad things will happen if you don't. There's a lot of joy with that. And then now we're entering the time where we should be focusing on repentance. And so these 93 curses in this, we should not look at it and be like, oh, look at these horrible things. We should look at it as a blessing that God's reminding us, I want you to repent. I want you to return. It's moving us to prepare for the high holidays. This is the, I think, is this the last... Shabbat uh, consolation. What is it? Eight of them? No, this is six. Six. One more. One more. Um, so the, that's why the the Haftarot have been so um, uplifting and encouraging. That at at some point God is going to act and turn around. Um, but it appears that He's waiting for us. What a bummer. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I, it was around that very time that we were reading this particular portion a couple years ago. Um, I remember being asked by a couple different people around that time. Uh, there's this long list of terrible curses if you forsake the commandments of God. And the person was asking me, well, why don't we see that anymore? You see, you see like, like a secular, even a Jew, secular Jewish person, They've completely forsaken commandments, they're eating pork, they're not keeping Shabbat, everything. They've they completely thrown it out. But the curses are not coming on it. And they were kind of like, so you see that we don't have to do that anymore. Those curses, they don't apply. They don't happen anymore. Wow. What, what an interesting gamble. <laughs> I would respond two ways. First off, yeah, that's right. <laughs> first off, but it's like that. It's like that professor that drops a chalk before the chalk drops, let him strike me dead or something, and he gets caught in his in his cuff, right? You know, and, and the, you know the, the one believer in the room says, "Just give him a chance." So it's the same. So this one, there are what Jeremiah is it ninety two curses in this list. I, and if we read other places, this is a really fascinating about God's curses. The one in Leviticus is very fascinating. The fact that he starts off, he says, "If you do not repent." then seven times more will happen. And it, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Right. And I think one of the things that the sages do teach is this concept that um, the curses and the judgment intensify as God is trying to bring you to repentance. And sometimes, the, the further away you are, the less repentant you are, the more the curses you know, stop looking like curses. And the more they look like bad things just happen. And you don't know why. You don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But I think if you go and you interview people in the secular Jewish society and you try and figure out how happy they are and how good things are going, I think you will probably find that many of them suffer from a lot of these curses, mm -hmm. like madness 
groping at noon and not having the success, you know, not having kids and realizing when you're 50, I wish I had kids. There are many curses that fall on people who sin. And I think, I mean, even today, that one, the one curse, I will rain dust on you. We think of some sort of weird supernatural thing. It's a sandstorm. They happen like every year in Israel. I've been there. You get this cloud, literally, a cloud of sand will settle in over the city. You can't see more than like 200 yards in front of you. And if it rains during that time, it literally rains mud on you. So, I mean, you want to talk about the curses of God that they don't fall. They do fall. God in his mercy doesn't, doesn't pour them all out at the same time. Mm. I, I want to... Um, That's interesting. I, it is interesting. Uh, yeah, really. I, I've never really thought of it that way. You know, when, when you're close, the closer you are to God, the more you see his hand. Right. Okay? The further you are away from God, the less you see his hand. And, and it's not that he's just just no longer working. You just don't see we, it. We're not seeing Absolutely. Yeah. I do want to make sure that we're clear that just because you don't see or think that someone's being cursed, that it doesn't mean that they are not being cursed. We, we need to remember that, right? I mean, we had David lamenting. that. Why, why? Why are you blessing the unrighteous? Why would you do that? When are you going to judge rightly? We pray that in the morning. When are you going to do that? Because as much as he chooses to curse those he loves, he can choose to bless those he doesn't necessarily love. Because maybe you'll notice that more than you notice that you're That's actually really scary. I think that for all of us, when we have difficulties in our lives, we should sort of, in light of the fact that God uses us to bring us to repentance, it should bring us a sigh of relief. It's like, not too far gone. Yes, he still still loves me. That that point is is, is the strongest point. Two of the wisest men, Job asked the same question as well, and David. And God doesn't really answer. He says, I am God. Like, why would you question yeah. what I do? I get to do this. Right. So, so, I'm the guy. Yeah. Right. so if you can't take their word for it, then I think you can just look at the nation. Take the nation of Israel as a whole. It, it's, uh, I mean, as, as we were talking about earlier, the Holocaust is recent and fresh in our textbooks and, and the no, chronology. Now. Exactly. For now. So you and don't that, Right. And, and, so it's not that the individual gets away with anything. I think this is really the, the nation as a whole, the yes. collective body. And actually, that's a very important right. Yeah, that was my point. I was going to say. So. That was nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. It's a tag team. Yeah. 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 Both wore a blue shirt. That's great. Yeah. All right. So. God blesses and God curses. And we have this long litany here. Can you find me in uh, chapter 27? Uh, this is the part I believe that uh, Rick, the Elia that Rick did. Um, 20, 27 is pretty much unpleasant, right? I mean, it's just you know, it's just generically. I mean, it's 27 is unpleasant to read. Are you speaking in Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy, I beg your pardon, yes, ma'am. Deuteronomy chapter 27, and, and you were here. This is, you know, cursed is this, and cursed is that, and cursed is the other thing. 27. 27. Curses would be anyone. Yes, right. They're all curses, right. So, 28, verse 1, picks up. Who can read that for me? It shall be, if you hearken to the voice of Adonai your God to observe, to perform all of his commandments that I command you this day, then Adonai your God will make you supreme over all nations of the earth. Continue. And uh, all these blessings will come upon you 
and, and overtake you. And if you hearken, if you hearken to the voice of Adonai your God. Okay. So in verse one and in verse two, I don't have hearken. But my, my version is hearkenless. <laughs> what what do you have instead of hearken? Obey. I got obey over there. It is the word Shema, right? Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, right? It's, it's not just to hear, it's not just to listen, it's to hear and obey. Or, in the Old English, to, well, hearken. Hearken ye. So that's there twice. And I like the way the portion started out, talking about going in there with the basket, right? We start with the tithe. How many of you have heard that tithe stuff uh, in the visible church as you, you know, from a sermon regarding bringing a basket full of fruit and whatnot and putting it before the Lord? Anybody? Anybody? No. Okay. I love, you know, bringing the fruit, and I, I'd like to go back if we have time to talk about the wandering Aramean. Well, I think one version I heard, an Aramean attacked me, and the other one, I'm the wandering Aramean. I just... I, I'd like to go back and look there. But basically, you've got this basket of fruit that you pick. It's the first fruits for that year, right? And, and uh, you've, you lay the, the basket of fruit down at the altar, and you go through this prayer that's prescribed. <coughs> if liturgical prayer. I was just going to say, if you're against liturgical prayer, there's at least some evidence that God enjoys it. But I, I find that neat that after he goes through, you know, you're not supposed to do this. If you do, you're going to be cursed. Through all of chapter 27. And, and what do we end up with? 28.5. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, right? And blessed shall you be when you go out. So we've, we've got that reference back to those, those same two portions. And, and going back to that. Um, earlier passage about bringing in the, off- the, the offering yeah. of the tithe. Um, I think one of the things sometimes is forgetting when you read all these verses, it, we, we almost, it's almost like, especially people who are not attuned to the Torah, will think of God as this sort of nasty, brooding, vengeful God. That was the God of the Old Testament, and this is the, you know, whatever. But then, in, the, um, in that passage about the tithe, we see these blessings being exhibited but we, we know that the children of Israel, for all of the good things that they have done over the centuries, have never properly kept everything enough to be worthy of those blessings. And yet God promises it to them anyway. And we see them coming up with these things, and he says, you'll rejoice in all of the good that God has given to you in your households. So, we, I mean, it's, again, getting back to this, that God's compassion and his grace in blessing us when we don't deserve it. it, it especially when we don't deserve it. Exactly. I'm sorry. Are we just kind of hopping. I'm hopping, man. I'm, hopping. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to jump. No, no, no. No, no, no. theme. No theme. So, uh, the beginning of chapter 27, um, that most of the elders of, of Israel charged the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which, which I command you today, so shall it be on the day when you cross the Yarden to the land which the Lord your God gives you, that you shall set up for yourself large stones and coat them with. I think most translations say plaster. Or plaster them with plaster. <laughs> and write them and write on them all the words of this law when you cross over so that you may enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord your God, uh, as, the, as the Lord, the God of our fathers, promised you. And it goes on and kind of talks about, you know, it continues with this building altar uh, from uncut stones and so forth. And 
So and, and, and write those words very plainly. Yes, yes, Clearly, exactly. allegedly. This is the non-LASIK group. This, the, na the, the NASM says, and you shall write on the stones all the words of this law very distinctly. Distinctly. Okay. So the question I have when I, when I read this was, what's the deal with the stones and, you know, in the, in the plastic? Obviously, he's wanting him to build an altar and make a sacrifice. But... The remez, right? So connect, starting connect to connect. Um, I immediately thought of uh, uh, two things. One, uh, the whole the whole concept of stones and why God wants the altar made out of stones versus you know um, versus bricks and or other cedar wood, right? And the idea. Behind that, I think we probably talked about this back in the Exodus with the whole making of the bricks for Pharaoh, right? Because man makes bricks, because bricks are all cookie cutter; they're all the same. And they're stones are made by God because stones are unique. There's no two stones the same. You can walk out here in the yard or whatever, and you can pick up as many stones as you can possibly carry and not one will be the same as the other because a stone is fashioned by God, right? So it's his handiwork. It's easier to do than raindrops. Yeah. Right. And the remez there was we see in the apostolic writings, and particularly First, uh, first Peter chapter 2, where Peter picks up on this uh, idea of stones and, re and referring to us as the body of Mashiach. That we are living stones. Why? Because none of us are the same. We are all unique, formed by God. But that, you know, we are his people, and he goes, that whole thing is, that whole passage in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 is all about how we're called out, we're, un we're unique, we're holy, you know, but we're these living stones that come together. And so, um, and then so you have this idea of, of, plastering them, right, so you take the stone and now it's covered in white, right? You think white plaster and white symbolizing, you know, purity, right? And on the white stone, you now write distinctly, right, the words of, of all the Torah, right? And it just, to me, and, and then the stones are fit together to make a place of offering for Abba right? And it's a picture of us who come together and form the temple of the Lord, right? And to, to pick up on that metaphor that Shaul uses also. And and then other concepts where, you know, uh, in, in, in certain places we're, we're likened to the temple or the altar, the place where sacrifice is made. In other, and then in certain contexts we are sort of likened to the sacrifice. In other words, you know, that we should offer ourselves wholly acceptable. But the whole idea of when you cross over, right? So when you've crossed over into the promise, now take these stones, these unique stones that God's created, and construct this place of altar and worship and the stones are covered with, with white plaster and written, you know, and written the words of the law are written on on them. 
to me, it's just a great remez and a drosh, you know, of yeah. us. Absolutely. So good. Excellent. Excellent. Step back just for a second to the, uh, you brought up 28. Uh, Four and five with the basket? No, where you said uh, all of the, uh, 28-2, all of the following blessings will come on you and overtake you if you listen to the voice of God your God. And that theme that in the big end um, is often presented as a, as a shame, as a head fake, as a, um, uh, as a, as a giant cosmic trick to prove that man is incapable of obeying God. Mm-hmm. They're given this, they're given this carrot at the end of a stick and told, go for it. And then they're slapped when they can't. If you think you and can. And prove to you that you're a failure mm-hmm. and that you need a savior. Uh, certain parts of that certainly I would I would agree with. Uh, parts parts of that I would agree with. But the notion that our God is a liar. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we wouldn't say a liar necessarily. Because well, if you could keep them, but you can't. But that He would trick them into believing that they can. God provided for ways for them to. It never says keep it perfectly. Number one. As we're so often told, you see, can't keep it. Don't bother keeping it. But even within it, you can't keep it. You know, can't keep one of them. Even within it, it tells you what to do. That's right. When you don't, so if there is provision for for dealing with sin within it, and not just dealing with sin in a general sense, specifically daily dealing with sin within the very instructions. So God recognizes that we are but dust, and provides means within this within His commandments. That give give uh, mercy and compassion and recognize that we're not going to keep it perfectly, but He's still going to bless us, as Joshua said. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you. Um, as uh, as I've been privileged to have several really great young men uh, desire to court my daughters, um, I have experienced that very same thing. There's a protocol and there's a way. That they got to go through that relationship. There's a way that they got to deal with me. There's a way they got to deal with that girl, and it's very specific. And it's not I'm trying to make you fail. I make it clear to each one of those guys on the front end, you're getting past me. I'm here to make you successful. And we get we got the rules. And hopefully, in the end, there's going to be joy, togetherness, relationship, and so forth. I got you. Then I got you. Then I got you. Very so, um, Thank you. He's been very patient you. back here. <laughs> From kind of building off of both of these wonderful men have said, so, um, some interesting stuff, um, like uh, discussion stuff that uh, my Don Kamash has for uh, verses 45 through 47, chapter 28. And um, it doesn't look like it's still Kamash. What is this? Good name. Uh, so, I meant. Anyway, that being said, I'm going to read these we, from we, just, we just don't want to. Uh, Cause anybody yeah, you're right, you're right. listening from afar that this is a stone. This, this is not. This is good. Nick. This is good. Nick. We'll stone him later. Stone. Anyway, the stone will be unique. Yeah. Okay. This commentary was dealing with um, with how we should do things with joy. And uh, mm-hmm. verses 45 to 47, chapter 28 says, 
All these curses will befall you, pursuing you, overtaking you, until they destroy you, because you did not listen to God, your God, and observe his commandments and super-rational commands which he commanded you. They will, all, they will be as, as a sign and a wonder upon you and your children forever, because you did not serve God, your God. But it doesn't stop there. It says, with joy and with gladness of heart, mm. when you had an abundance of everything. Mm. And the commentary said, um, like, it's not enough. Like, throughout the years, all these different men have tried to move us towards repentance. And at various points, you know, it's been higher or lower, different things like that. And it says, why has Mashiach not come yet? Why has he not come? Is it, you know, it says, um, the commentary says, um, surely there's not a single Jew who's not had several thoughts of Teshuvah at some point. It says, so, so what is there else to do? We, we keep trying to repent, and still he's not coming. It says, so what is there left to do? In reply, I'm suggesting that the approach that is required is expression of joy for the sake of bringing Mashiach. Joy breaks through barriers, including the barriers of exile, and joy has a unique potential to bring about the redemption. This joy will surely lead to the ultimate joy, the rejoicing of the redemption, and our mouths will be filled with joy, which is from Psalm 126. Mm-hmm. And so not only are all those commands there for us to do them, but you know, like Yeshua talks about, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. When we take this, we should look at it and be like, oh man, there's so many things here, this is really heavy, we've got all these curses, man, I... I'm going to do all this stuff. It's, it's I'm just kind of doing it because I have to. Tough road to no, That's not the approach we need to take. We need to take it with joy. We should look at it and go, wow, there's a lot of curses here. That shows how much God cares about this, how much he wants us to be there with him. That should, that should move us towards repentance, to turn from our evil ways and act with joy to follow his commands. Everybody said? That's, my, that's my other son. son. <laughs> I, I will tell you that when I'm, I'm, I'm discipling young men, and they present to me the the concept that there's a lot of rules. I see a lack of joy. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. bottom line is that in between is a lack of relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I got one of the best wives on the planet. And it is a joy to spend time with her and to relate with her and to interact with her and to get out there in the garden with her. I mean it's just it's joy. But if there were no relationship, man, there's no way I'm shoveling that dirt again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not doing the gardening deal because I like to garden. I'm doing the gardening deal because I've got a great relationship with my wife. And it's great joy to be with her and to work with her. You know? Can you can you work or do I need to take the child from me? I can't. Oh, it's my turn. It is your turn. Well, <laughs> unless you need more I time. I hope this wasn't said already. I was just going to say it's it's one way to look at it because I've definitely heard Mr. Spurlock's perspective from people that, oh, see, if you do anything wrong, then you're you're guilty of all of it, so you, you, you shouldn't even bother. But I think it's just great that it says a verse. It has a verse like that after all of the curses, where it's like, and the one who doesn't do um, doesn't keep the words of all of this, he's a curse as well. In addition to everyone else, and. Because it's just very humbling. Because you read those kind of out there sins that we don't, we probably don't really know a lot of people that do some of those. But then at the end, it's like, oh, and by the way, if you do anything wrong, then you are also. So just for us who are striving to be more righteous and everything, it's kind of a humbling thought at the end there that it's like you're not any better than them because you're you're sinning as well. Sure, I'm reminded of the master who was approached by his uh, Tommy Deem and said, hey, did you hear about those guys in the next town? Roof mm-hmm. fell in. Oh, so many guys died. You know, he, he, he didn't miss a beat. He doesn't blink. He doesn't miss a beat. 
Then what? Why are you surprised that they're dead? You should be surprised that you're still breathing. <laughs> that sounds kind of harsh, I think. All right, see, si, senor. I was really rough up in the before. You are next. All right. Well, uh, I, I think a large part of where all this is going is that it goes back to the garden, and God is asking Adam after they and and Chava. After they've been, after they've eaten of the fruit, where are you? Mm. God already knows where they are. He's a, he's not asking physically where they are. He's asking where is your heart? Where is your heart? And you know, when I think about tragedies that have befallen the Jew, Jewish people throughout the ages, the uh, the, the Galut Bavli in particular, you know, th- there are specific things that I'm sure the Babylonian captors were not allowing them to do, such as make the pilgrimage festivals to Jerusalem every year. It's it's not about how perfectly you can keep it. It's about how much of it can you do? What it, what can you do with in your current situation? What is the most you are able to do with your given circumstances? And, and how's your attitude towards exactly. it? Exactly. Oh, so, man, I've got 57. I can only do 16. Okay. Better get started. <laughs> it's more of, wow, look at this. So, so he's, I mean, you would look at the sitter, right? The gray boxes. That's why it's so important that we get together on some of those days because we finally get to do some of the gray boxes. What a joy we get to. I said that for the first time this past year and said, you know, we could get together and, and we'd get to do this part. And, and we had a minion on, what was that, Yom Kippur morning or something? Yeah. So, and we had over 10 guys here. Shavuot. We had over 10 people here just on the, on the drop of a hat because we get to do it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not so much seeing it as as a command, but it's it's a, as an as a, as another opportunity to Amen. serve God. It's Amen. not it's not a this is a oh man I have to do this. It's a, like oh God told me another way I can please Him. This is amazing. What did the sages say? If keeping a commandment demonstrates my love for God, give me more command. Give me more command. Let me let me encourage people to make sure they're part of the man because there are things we can't do if we don't have. And we want to do, and as anybody that's doing Dap Nomi knows from a couple of weeks ago, we cannot say, uh, you know, uh, you know, some of the most, you know, you know, amazing prayers if we don't have ten minutes. That's exactly right. So, I mean, yeah, and and I, let me also add on to that: if if you have a desire to pray with a minion, and you're wondering how you can make that come to pass, you shoot me an email or pick up the phone, and I will put out the word, and we will pray. It may not be here. But we will come together, and we will pray. Amen? Amen. Sir. Um, Greg sort of picked up on one of my points, which was just, you know, again, in 27, all these specific curses, you know, leading the blind straight, sorting justice, you know, lying with your father's wife, you know, on and on, right? Very specific things, but then it ends up with... First, he does not confirm the words of this law by, by doing them. So there's like this catch-all of... There's all these specific things, but oh, by the way, you know, if you don't confirm, you know, this this law, you know, you're also cursed. So kind of picking up on what Greg said, and then just you know, again, just picking up on the whole concept of attitude towards um, towards uh, the commandments and so forth. Rules without relationship are just meant to be broken. So. You know, I mean, why, why, 
when we were in school, you know, and there's a rule that says don't chew gum in class. Why did we all chew gum in class? Right? Because did you really chew the gum in class? I absolutely did chew the gum in class. Why? <laughs> because we don't we didn't have a relationship with the principal or the superintendent or whoever put that That's rule right. in place. Or, or parents. So without the relationship, it's just That's right. Right to be broken. Even the parents. Yeah. So. Well yes. anybody who has had a loving father and not everybody's been honored with that, but those who have had a good relationship with their father, your heart truly is to please your father. You may not really want to do what he's told you to do, but because you love him, you have a relationship with him, you want to please him. You don't want to displease him. And so I think it goes back to what someone, I think it was Joe saying, you know, if you, you have to have that relationship. And, and I was looking back here, you know, where he says, um, with all your heart, yeah, uh, this day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and ordinances. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all of your heart. He lists that first. And, and the heart is your seat of emotion, you know, your seat of wanting to please or displease your spouse or father or whoever, your child. I mean, even your child, you want to please them and give them a good gift. I mean, so that and with all your soul. But but the heart is first. And he and what does he say? He doesn't really want the sacrifices of bulls. He wants a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, good. Yes, sir. Two things first uh, on Greg and Mr. Ruffin's point. Uh, you can call me Greg, too. It's okay. Just for that one illustration. <laughs> no, please. Right. I've not heard that. Like, I know James echoes the same thing in James, too. If you uh, uphold the whole law, but miss one point, you're accountable for all of it. But then in Galatians, Paul actually quotes a verse from our portion. The, the worst in question here, saying that uh, Messiah has redeemed us from the curse of the law because he was cursed because he hung on, hung on a tree. So, what do you think about that? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's great at throwing these things at him. Yeah. Did I teach you to cast? I think I did. Morgan started this. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, but hung on a tree. In this case, I think it's sort of like um, talking about earlier about not seeing curses. And um, you know what I'm saying? The same concept applies to um, in the garden when God said, In the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And Hasatan says, Oh, you won't really die. And then they eat of it, and they don't actually die. Not, Not physically, not in that moment. But that doesn't change the fact that what God said he meant. They did die spiritually, but more importantly, they were put on a path of death. They lost the, the eternality of their life. Um, in this sense, being a curse, it's interesting that this, these curses are not specific. We have an entire chapter immediately following this. This will happen to you, and this will happen to you, and this will happen to you, and this one too, and this one's also, and curse leave you go in, curse leave you go when you go out, and, and he covers every imaginable possible awful thing that could ever happen to you in life. But in this particular instance, it just says accursed are you. And I think that we think about, um, well, I guess what Paul is keying in on in that particular concept is that the ultimate curse 
which is to be separated from Hashem, and certainly on an eternal level. The curse of true death, which is where you die and that's it. There, there is judgment and that's all. Yeah. Then that, I think, we have been absolutely free from by Messiah taking the curse. That doesn't mean we don't suffer from other curses. Right. It just means that the greatest curse we have been, has been lifted from us. Yeah. I think that... Uh, I think that Paul is not referring to these curses in any way. I think he is referring to the curse of separation from God. For without Messiah and his sacrifice and becoming sin on my behalf, being the curse, somebody's got to pay for my sin. What's he saying? Somebody's got to go to prison. (laughs) So he took that, that I might have the relationship and quite frankly, Paul is writing to Gentiles. Galatians, right? Well, mixed. Mixed. Okay. Yeah. 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 We're over here now. Oh, yeah. don't <laughs> say <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he's writing to Gentiles who had no relationship with Israel without the sign. Without the sign. Other comments? Yes, ma'am. Well, we were talking about this the other day. If we're, you know, modern Christian. Theology, whatever. Yeah. We're freed from the law from that mm-hmm. verse. We're freed from the code of the law or whatever, and they take it that we're free from the law. Right. No more Torah. Right. I think really what it's addressing is we're free from the, the penalty, the of condemnation, the condemnation yes. from violating the law. Yes. Yeah. There is now no the condemnation to those who are in Messiah Yeshua. Mm-hmm. But what is that condemnation? It's not these curses. Those are the folks that are in his family. The condemnation we're talking about is the condemnation right. of eternal damnation. Right. And that's what I'm removed from. Now I've got the opportunity to work on the relationship and, and experience that abundant life. That and that's happening. our freedom. You bet. Mm-hmm. You bet. And I would say to those that come back at me with that kind of response, I, I just I try and do the logic thing with them and say, no, let me see if I get this straight. You're telling me that I'm a sinner because I broke his law. And that's a bad thing to do. And because I did that, I need a savior. So now that I'm part of his family, you don't care if I keep his law? Is that what you're saying? You, you don't he care? Does... for me so that I don't have to do that. Wow. So, <laughs> so, so my behavior used to be relevant, and now my behavior is irrelevant. I get it. You know what? I don't know a single parent who believes that. Not one. No way. Right? I don't want you to play in the traffic. Now, you know, you've proven to be just a a wonderful son. Go play in the traffic. (laughs) (laughs) Who says that? Well, to me, based on what she just said and what we talked about here, it's almost a snowball thing. It's, It's, there are too many laws, so therefore... Christ died, so we don't have. You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a vicious circle. It's a vicious circle of stuff. You know, I think one thing because we fought this stuff when Jeremy was coming to this crazy class. Yeah. You know, and and and, you know. uh, Let the record show the defendant (laughs) is pointing to everybody. (laughs) Um, 
And, and one of the things that I think really impacted me early on, because I kind of took on to it before the rest, but the thing of it is, is when he said, only 613, why can't there be 5,000? Why what, can't there be a, more? What a wonderful and, change in perspective. Yeah, and that was what changed it. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's right. And so I think, to me, this, in the modern church today, or the Christian church today, it's, it's this circle thing, you know, it's like, because there's so many laws, then it was nailed to the cross. We don't have to do it. You know, it's, yeah. it's and they never get out of it exactly. until you start asking the weird questions. Like, are you nuts? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? I mean, what, how can you come up with that? Uh, I'm reminded of of uh, going on the trails with my family. We go you do any kind of hiking or walking or something like that. It, it's I got, I'm I'm kind of excited because there might be the opportunity for us to come upon you know a bird's nest. You know, and you, I'm not going to take the eggs, but you know, wow, here's here's an opportunity to keep a command that a kid from New York who barely saw trees could get to do. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> to, to further your point a little bit about the, um, the, the, the it was nailed to the cross kind of thing, uh, I like to use the example of the speeding ticket. So it was like, you know, as, if you use the speeding ticket as if that's the example of your, of your sin, you know, there's a, there's a posted speed limit and you know, you got pulled over, you were chastised, and, and your, your 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 sin was brought to your attention. And you know, but but your faith in Jesus, you nailed that speeding ticket to the cross. <laughs> Guess what? You get back out on the road, the speed limit's still there. Really good. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the 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 regular perspective that the visible church gives us makes no sense. The trouble is, we're stupid sheep. And we listen to the shepherd at the front of the building, mm-hmm. and we we never question, because if we question, there must be something wrong. Well, and it's easy. And you we know, inherited the lives of our fathers. <laughs> this is a gentile. <laughs> exactly right. New girl. That's that's. Is there, there was something. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I love it when these things come up because I love taking it back to Matthew 5 when it's Messiah's own words saying, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever annuls one of the least of these commandments and so teaches others shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's I mean, that's Messiah's own word. That's a tough verse for the church, don't you think, Gloria? It's very hard. Well, they stop. They, they don't teach They don't read that. The, whole, the whole passage Absolutely. for one, and they, they interpret Fulfill as abolishing what he just said. Don't. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Do don't even think about that. Until it's been accomplished, they say it was accomplished on the cross. But they don't go on to the next or few just verses. The, or it's just the ten commandments. They would just read. Right. Yeah. Of, 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 of my. Yeah. Of my. Yeah. 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 The moral versus the civil and ceremonial, which you can't separate. I, I, yeah. I think Thanks. they stop when he says, "Think not." <laughs> <laughs> That was Yonatan Hakatan. That was that was good. That was good. All right, let me, let, me, let me try and move us along here, if I could. Uh, I want to bring your attention to uh, the verse uh, 
20, chapter 28, verse 43 and 44. I'd just like to get your take on this real quick. Two points. First, the sojourner, that's the word here, who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. Hmm. First century. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, that was chapter twenty-eight, verse forty-three. Twenty-eight, Deuteronomy twenty-eight, forty-three. Right? Um, yeah, I'm. I'm wondering if that hasn't happened more than once. You mentioned first century, and sure, it, it looks like the whole religious world got turned on its head, and and now the Gentiles are stepping up. Where prior to that, it was strictly a Jewish religion, and what was the big question of the day? What do we do with all these Gentiles? And now it turns around, and you got all of the Gentiles going, What are we going to do with all these Jews? Well, Romans 11 definitely touches on that, but I was actually going to mention this later on because this is in 29, but this is where it talks about where it says, Yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear to this very day. But then that kind of relates back because it also relates to a verse in Isaiah, which then Paul quotes in Acts 28. Which is really cool because it talks about the Gentiles, in this case, right afterwards. So if I may read it, it says, um, So when they did not agree amongst themselves, they departed. After Paul had said one word, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore let it be known that let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. Uh, what is that again? Roman? Uh, X 28. Oh, yeah. It's, it's right before but, Romans kicks in. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Page before. Unless you're electronic. Yeah. If you look at the Gentiles and the Haftarah, I think it is particularly cool um, in the same way that we see curses be applied um, in limited quantities in God's grace. We see the blessings sometimes are applied in limited quantities as well. We're not deserving of all of them. God's gracious enough to give us some of them. Our foretastes. And that Haftar passage that talks about the nations will bring your children from afar or will come and build the walls of Jerusalem. And I can't help but think of these um, some of the amazing organizations that are out there today, um, some of which are part of the visible church, right. who, whose goal is to help um, Jews who help are stuck in Russia yeah. and have no money to make it back to Israel, right. or to help Jews in Poland who know they're Jewish but have no way to prove it, you know, find their ancestry so that they can move to Israel, yeah. or all of the different places that are out there that are helping Israel, um, you know, our wedding photographer and her family are part of a, um, have, have worked with organizations to help um, settlers in Judea and Samaria, um, you know, taking care of their crops and things. They're literally, they're going out into the, the outer banks, as it were, of, of Israel. You know, they have to have an armed guard walk out in the olive field because they're worried about the Arabs from across the street. So you've got people who have done this very thing, and the Gentiles are literally coming in and doing exactly what God said. And the coolest part was the verse that says, it, it will be like, for my glory, for my namesake. And how neat it is, how many people, that's exactly what they're doing. They're not doing it because they think Israel's amazing necessarily or right. because they've been convinced to do it, but because they love God and Amen. God loves these people. Amen. And that's the bottom line. Uh, when we look at the timeline and, and we start um, at Abraham and we have the uh, Egyptian time, we have Mount Sinai where we are now 
uh, is, you know, in his 40 years, just about to enter in, and we're, we're reading this, we're hearing this from, from Moses. What do you have less than 500 years later? What's in that corner? King David. And right after him? Shlomo. Right? You've got Solomon, the temple. And what do you have? What's, what's the, what, what, is, what is the description of Solomon's reign? What's it like? What they say? The golden days. The golden days. Really, and even, and really. Who's coming? Gentiles coming from afar. The Queen of Sheba is just astonished, dumbstruck at how wise, how great these people are. And he's got all the money. It's incredible. And you see it get completely flipped on its head. And, and that Gentile thing, Rabbi Gimpel has a really neat teaching on Rahab, in which he says that every time it's like the circumstances are building up towards Messiah, and each time this has happened in history, for the most part, Messiah then has not, we haven't merited his coming, or at least not in fullness. Right. Um, uh, but it's interesting how he says each time it's a build-up towards Messiah, all of a sudden Gentiles, A, it's like they start getting magnetized, and B, Jews start looking for him. And he talks about how like the, they're getting ready to go into the land of Israel. And there's almost like this sort of potential for this to be kind of like this culmination event, and Israel's going to take over the land, and God's going to send Messiah, it's all going to be good and great. And so Pinchas and Caleb, the traditional two spies that are sent to Jericho, they go look at where's the righteous Gentile that I can pull in this group. And he mentioned Solomon, and Solomon attracts all these Gentiles. And, he, you, know, and you go through, and, and it's true. And you think about Yeshua. And Yeshua did come, and Messiah did come. Sure. What's happening in the first century? Bam! You've got all these Gentiles who are like, I want to be a part of this. And, right. then, and then you got people like Paul who are like, you know what? Send me on to the Gentiles. And then you get Jew and go out there and go grab them. And you had even mm-hmm. the Pharisees going and making converts. And it's like there's this energy. And so I think about the days of today. And I see all of a sudden you've got Gentiles who out of nowhere for no particular reason have hardly even met Jews or suddenly curious about these things. Yeah. And then you've got Jews, like Rabbi Gimpel and others, who have said, you know what, I like these Gentiles. Let's go talk to them more. He has come and stood right here and said, you guys are the beginning. You're, you're the, the beginning of the harvest about to happen in the sign of the Absolutely. It's the beginning. Of, well, it's, it's not new, though. It's, it's not new. It's not new. Right. We call it the Hebrew Roots Movement or Messianic <laughs> Judaism and everything like that. Like it's like, oh, this is so new. This is so cool. I want to jump on that bandwagon, but it's it's not it's new. It's been going on for a while. It's not to new. be in Abraham's house. Joshua, Joshua mentioned the building walls, and that's one of the things that you know we 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 have prayed for two thousand years. We build walls in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and three times daily, asking for God to rebuild the walls, and the walls have been rebuilt. I mean, they may not be the final rebuilding, but God's continually rebuilding it. He uses a he uses a Muslim uh, Suleiman the myth magnificent to rebuild the walls in the 16th century, and they're awesome. If you walk on the top of the walls, you go, "These are some walls," and these are the walls that he wanted built at that time. So I mean, he answers our prayers, and he uses he uses the he uses the wicked to accomplish his purposes exactly like he says. And how so we can say that was us? done. Yeah, many of these have All right. The very next verse, he shall lend to you, verse 44, and you shall not lend to him, speaking of the Jews. He shall be the head and you shall be the tail, which is exactly the opposite of earlier in the passage, right? When uh, we've got things turned around. So the idea is that a a lender you will be, not a borrower, unless you don't take the high path, in which case you will be the borrower, and the Gentile will be the lender. I just think of our country 
And many of you probably don't know that um, when, when our country fought for its independence, we ran out of money. Congress could not get any money for Washington to fight. Who paid? Jews. Jews. Before we went off of Mr. Spurlock's point there, I just was reading in Nehemiah the other day, and I thought this was so cool because today is the 21st of Elul, and it says in Nehemiah that on, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul. Four more days. In 52 days. So anyway, yeah, that's four days like we're going to be celebrating basically the anniversary of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. It's so cool. Yeah, Which is it. also the anniversary of the uh, first day of creation. That's right. Yeah. 25th of the rule is the first day of creation. True. Rosh Hashanah is the no, main You're, you're going to have to help. I'm only concerned about her. I don't care about him at all. <laughs> so we're in, the word, we're in the month of Elul. The next month is Tishri. Right? The yeah. first of Tishri is the only holiday that falls at the beginning of a month when you can't really tell when it's going to be. It's the one that's kind of up in the air. It's the one that we're supposed to look at early. It's literally, we've got to watch it. It's, it's a day that no man knows. I mean, it's, and it's the day that you're going to blow the shofar. I mean, it sounds so much like 1 Corinthians 15, like 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, or 13 through 18. But anyway, Elul's what we're in now. So 25th of Elul, I'm, I'm not getting it. 25th of Elul, how can that be the beginning of creation? Well, because the, the understanding is that, well, I mean, Scripture is clear. There were six. You know, God created the heavens and earth and everything in six days, and man, of course, being created on the sixth day. Um, and so, Tishri one is understood to be the day that man created, that God created man. So he's got thirty days in the month. So if you back up, then twenty fifth of Elul is the day. Is the first day of creation in that in the in the chronology. So it, it's interesting, and that all of the dates never surprise me because God always does everything significant on a date that has significance. So Why does He do that? Why does God do that? He's a genius. He is a genius. <laughs> Why does He do it? He has no choice. Why does He do it? Because they're Ladin. Because He said, "I'm going to do things, and I'm going to use the calendar to surprise you. I'm going to glorify myself with the calendar." Read the beginning of Genesis. I made this to be signs, Oat and Moedim. These are specifically to bring me glory and so that you know what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. Which is proof to cosmic authority because no one else can control and manipulate variables to make events happen. Same. They, Same. Tried, they tried to stop it from raining this week, and they didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was praying. That, they were hopeless. That's what goes back to that, that whole idea of why we should be, we read the Haftarot, especially these about the comforting of Israel. We should be looking for ways that God's fulfilling them, because that is actually God's, one of his number one declarations of his, of his supremacy and divinity in Isaiah, as is he says, I know the end from the beginning. Go grab your other idol worshippers and ask them, do you know what's going to happen? Can you tell me from the beginning what will happen at the end? The only one who can do that is God. So when we read here, thousands of years ago, God said this, this, and this is going to happen. Then we watch and we see it actually happening. That should be like 
wow, God is who he says he is. I think it's cool when you go to Israel today, there's kind of a, a little bit of an inside joke. Um, an inside joke, she likes technology too. Um, an inside joke that uh, the national bird of, or if there was a Jerusalem were a country, that the national bird of Jerusalem is the crane. They're not talking about the bird, the crane. Talking about the fact when you go to the city of Jerusalem, you see cranes all over the place. It's because the city's like building at a ridiculous pace. And it happened a couple weeks ago how all the you know the, the promise is your people are going to come in there and go it's too crowded for me I can't live here anymore and apartment prices are skyrocketing in Israel and people are like man it's too crowded for me I can't live here anymore I mean it's, God is moving Amen. no uh, cool story because all this stuff is cool to me we're down at the beach last weekend with Jeremy my daughter and her husband and doesn't that feel cool can you can you say it now. Does it roll off your tongue yet? Or are you still, still working it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not as cool as the story. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway we, uh, we're walking outside, and we see this group of people, and they're looking up at the sky. And the reason they look up at the sky is because it's a full moon, and the sun's got the moon brilliantly bright. Yeah. So I take this cool moment to ask my daughter and my... Uh, Son-in-law. Son-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> you have to help me. Don't come over. Yeah, don't come over time. That wasn't the first word I was thinking about. Anyway, my son-in-law. And, uh, and, and, I, and I said, why do you think all these people are looking at the moon? And, uh, and of course, Jeremy's face kind of brightens up. But uh, they're like, because it's cool. It's brilliantly bright. I go, I go, I know. In that, And it's kind of sad that that's the way we look at the moon is look how beautiful it is. But there's a meaning and an understanding and a point to why why it's full and why it's bright and shining like it is. And then we got into our two-hour discussion <laughs> that offended the son-in-law. But anyway, the point is, is you know, I think my point is is why I think it's cool is because you know, growing up, you know, like I have, you see a rainbow, oh, it's so pretty, it's cool, and you see a full moon, oh, it's so cool. But there's meaning behind all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we lack today is our constitution or our foundation or our meaning of everything that goes on in life. You know? right. Instead, it's just, ah, it's cool. It, it is sad that um, we have been, you and I have been raised completely in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. From, and, and yet, with the scriptures on our lap, it's like totally blind, not a clue that God specifically hung that thing up there to wake us up, to remind us, to glorify himself, and so on. It, it is truly amazing. To make it short. Son-in-law in 46 days. Yeah. 47. You're going to get joy. But I think speaking of joy, I think that's one of the things that's cool about it. You talked about the, the moon and how we can see the signs. But um, God in the story portion also institutes other things, like he talks to the tide. And he has specific ties for different types of years. And it's interesting, like the first fruits you come and bring. And this emphasis of rejoicing, this emphasis of, of taking the blessings that God's given, and not going like, I'm going to go you know, set it all on fire and give it to God. But it's the idea of, I'm going to go and enjoy it, and I'm going to rejoice with God with it. That's right. Or, or, or in the case of the tithe, I'm going to go and give, and it's going to be rejoicing with God in sharing. That's right. I mean, how cool is that? They have stuff hurt. They have stuff hurt. You have to give until it hurts. <laughs> I think it's the idea of bringing God into life. And that's the thing that the whole concept of the Kudalam, to repair the world, 
is that it's not that as as believers we forsake the physical world and run away and try to pine for heaven. It's the idea that we try and bring heaven to earth. How can I put God in the small things like looking at the moon or like eating the first of the fruits or what you know as I'm harvesting the things? I can tell you one way that you can do that. When you're a dad and you're walking on the beach with your children, you can stop and recognize as he did that God has appointed that very time for you to be standing there and open your mouth and teach. And I tell you what, there's not a lot of guys that do it. Most of the ones I know are sitting in this room. I'm concerned about your debt. I'm not going to say more than two sentences right now. But if you're under the impression that debt is okay, I would ask you to reconsider. <laughs> I'm not going to say that debt is a sin. I am going to say that I think it's stupid. And I am going to suggest that if there's any way that you can get rid of your debt, you do so, and you make it a very high priority in your life. We see in verse 44 that the goyim shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him. And this was part of the problem. This was the result of not obeying God's word, not heeding his commandments, and so forth. And you end up being the tail and not the head. I don't want to go any further than that. Just think about it. If you think that debt's no problem, look what's happening to our country. Okay. Now, I had uh, been blessed with uh, reading the uh, Aliyah this morning that was extraordinarily long. Um, the laundry list. Not the reading, but the text. It's gruesome. Thank you. Um, but I'd, I'd like uh, some help in finding where that stopped and started because I'm reading the English Standard, and unfortunately, I don't think I have the version that we were reading. Um, but I noticed that at least twice, if not three times, it said, This is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and oh my goodness, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, oh, and then this is going to happen, and there will be no savior. The start of the curses is 16. I didn't do the curses. 28. I, the sixth Aliyah begins at 28.7. For the rest of the chapter, thank you. Uh, verse 29 is You will grow at new time as a blind man, grow to darkness, but you will not succeed on your way. You will, only, you will be only cheated and robbed all the days, and there will be no savior. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So verse 29 and verse 31 both end in, in the English standard end with, there shall be no one to help you. No one to help you. And I, I thought it interesting that the Jewish Publication Society, which is I guess what we have, uh, translated as Savior. And it's the word Yeshat. Right? Yeshat. You might to say no, we don't want to save you. No one to save you. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, I just, when I was reading, I'm sorry? In verse 29, I have Moshiach. Verse 31, I have Moshiach. Oh, it's, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Right. Or Savior. Same root. Same root. But it's, a, well, it's not same as Moshiach, but it's a plan, a sound. Exactly right. It's like Moshe. Moshe means drawn from the water, but it also uh, is is a root for a savior. Right. Exactly right. But I thought it interesting that the way it's written, 
several times it says there'll be no, no one to help you, no one to save you, there'll be no savior, uh, whatever. And then it culminates by saying, your eyes are going to be blinded. And it goes right back to what Paul was saying, that their eyes have been blinded, that, that they might not see the glory of the Torah. It's part of God's plan. Don't you think God was surprised that they didn't obey his commandments? <laughs> Nobody? Yeah. So, was it was it sin that they didn't obey his commands? Yes. Sure. So, this is a perfect example of how your salvation is as a result of their sin. And that God uses their sin and yours to bring glory to himself and perhaps save others. Yes, I was going to say the same kind of concept is there with the healing as well. Yeah, I, I know that seven. nobody in the back can hear you. Say it again. Uh, the same concept is there when it came to healing and not just salvation as well. It says in verse 27, The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, and with scab, with the itch which you cannot be he- from which you cannot be healed. Is that Rofe? But it was kind of cool because in Exodus 15, that's where it says... I, the Lord, am your healer. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. you. Um, Adonai Rophe. Excellent. Good. That comes back into that there'll be no savior concept. Essentially what God's saying is, look, if I withdraw my hand, you've got no hope. That's, that's the Psalms. If, if, if the Lord does not build the house of labor, it's labor in vain. And I think it's just, this is one of the things I think that God has blessed us with. And, and it's, it's, it lays off of the concept, the biggest curse of the serpent eating the dust, according to tradition, is that the serpent does not need God for his food. It's everywhere. It's easily accessible. Mm-hmm. We see from these curses and we see, in reality, think about it, it's that all of our blessings and all of our good things can only come from God. See with the tithing. And it's a revelation that it draws us to God on a daily basis to need Him. Well, you, you pointed it out. If I'm not going to keep the commandments, if I want to buck His authority, then He's not my King, and therefore we don't have the relationship. So now I have no Savior. I have no healer. Why? Because He is the Savior. He is the healer. So without Him, I'm, I'm, I'm without everything. I'm, I'm lost. That's trying to make that's, that's trying to make without hope. That's trying to make him your savior, but not your lord. And you have to have both. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. But now, the way the way Rick just put it reminds me from Ephesians two, where you're quoting that these guys had relationship. He chose them, and he's saying, if you walk away from the relationship, you'll be without hope. But Paul takes the and flips it around and says, "You Gentiles." You started without any hope. But because of His great mercy with which He loved you, God chose to make you part of the commonwealth of Israel. And only there can you have hope. Can you meet the healer? Can you have that Savior? There is no salvation. There is no salvation. I'm determined to start using a different word for commonwealth since it's being misapplied. I, I saw one of your uh, attempts to try and correct I will us. simply say that he is he has in the in the language that he was saying that he has made us citizens. Yes. Fellow heirs, co citizens. 
co-heirs. That's what the ESV says. It says citizens. You like that? Citizens? Yeah. Citizens works. Yeah. Yeah. Undocumented. Don't get us started. Master party all the same. Naturalized. Legal. Yes, ma'am. Question in the back. Well, a little more clarity in that um, several times it's been spoken about the Gentile not having hope, you know, until Messiah. Okay, understanding that. But what about the Gentile, those of the nations like the centurion, who was a good, godly man? It said, God-fearing man. You know, that was. Was there there was the court of the Gentile? Yes. Okay. So I think speak to that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Um, their uh, place. Yeah. In that time. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll I'll kick it off and tee it up, but I'll expect uh, all the rest of you to jump in first. I think it's an anachronism if we try and read the scriptures and say, "Oops, right before Messiah, that's the only time we've got Gentiles." coming to God. Another problem. Now that Messiah has come, the Gentiles have an opportunity. That's wrong too. You get Gentiles all over the place coming to Messiah, coming into a relationship with the God of Israel, but they had to join themselves to the God of Israel. Now I'm not going to debate whether they went through ritual conversion or not. I think that's ridiculous. They joined themselves, and that's all it says. They joined themselves to the God of Israel. Doesn't say how they did it. They just became a part. We've got, obviously, sojourners living among them. We've got a mixed multitude that came out. Ruth. Ruth's a great opportunity. You bet. She's like, hey, forget my people. I'm cle- It's the same word, cleave. I'm cleaving. Remember it said in here that these diseases will cling to you and this other stuff will stick to you. I don't know what version you've got. It's the same word that it's used in Ruth. In fact, that word's used more in Ruth than in any other book of the Bible. That she clung to or stuck to Naomi. And then Boaz told her, stick with my guys. And then he stuck with her and so on. So I would start there by first saying, if we try and put everything around the time of the cross, we're already starting on shaky ground chronologically. But the fact of the matter is that God chose to bring salvation to the world by choosing a people, and out of that people, a Savior. And all must trust in Him and be a part of that family, that chosen people of God. So we talk about the Gentile and the many God-fearers in that day that had joined themselves in some way to the God of Israel and were going up to the temple. And you, you got a little apartheid deal happening. They can't get past the fence. You get to come in, but hey, you know, you're wearing the wrong color slacks. You've got the wrong color hair. Your dad's the wrong guy. Whatever it may be, you just can't get any closer. You can't draw near. You can't do what God said. But you can be a part of his family, whether these guys will let you or not, by trusting in the Son. Brother comments. That's good news. I think that's great news. And that good news didn't start at the cross. Right. You're just adjusting, or did you want to speak? The Aramean. Oh. Is it the same topic? Because we need it. It's a different topic. Yeah, I want, I want to talk about the Aramean. Okay, yeah. right. okay. Any other comments on the Laban the Aramean or you the Aramean? That's right. <laughs> Did I knock that Gentile thing out of the park? Are we okay with that? That's great. Okay. 
Oh. I've been practicing on the Gentile. That was good. <laughs> I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. I think to just tack on to all the comments about the last topic, when we, when we talk about the gospel, particularly when we're talking about the gospel to another Gentile, I think it's important that we make sure we include uh, the whole gospel because in my opinion, others may disagree, it's okay. The, the gospel that has come down to us through you know centuries of Western Gentile Christianity is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Amen. 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 Right? But, and that's absolutely true, you know, no question. But for but what about the rest of the story? For, for, for what purpose? In other words, the good news to a Gentile is the death and resurrection of Messiah Yeshua didn't just remove your sin, although it did praise God. But it, the good news to the Gentile is that because of that, you now can become part of Israel. And that's, that's the good news because if you're not part of Israel, there's no salvation apart from Israel. And if you didn't the, rise from the dead... He's only coming back for his chosen people. And if you're not one of them... He's coming back for family. Right. And only family. Only family. And if, if you're not a part of that, you've got nothing. So the good news to a Gentile is that Messiah came, died, was resurrected, and allows us now to be joined to his people. Amen. That is the good news. And but, he, we, but we've never been taught the second part that's of that. Right. We always kind of stop it. Well, done. They, they skip the middle piece because then they'll jump to the fact that if you didn't rise from the dead, then you're without hope. Right. Because the hope of the resurrection is what we're waiting for. So they got the front end, and they got the back end, and they left out the middle piece. Well, sometimes they do it right. They just exclude the Jew then. Well, <laughs> that's, that's exactly true. exactly right. Now, 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 one more thing. How do you deal with what he just said, which I believe, by the way, Absolutely. hook, line, and sinker. How do you deal with that for the Gentile on this wall, for the Gentile on that wall, if he didn't die until there? So Slain for the foundations of the world. Say it louder. Slain for the foundations of the world. That was Yirmiyahu Hagadol. <laughs> Outstanding. That's exactly right. Yes, Tafa. I like what Rick said because um, <clears throat> growing up in the church and all this stuff, I've come to realize too that the Christian church today believes that Christ came, died on the cross for our sins, just like we said, but then it's, it goes to what Rick says, is that he died for us now. So he's our God now. You guys had your chance, right. and you're done. Right. You're, now he's you're our God. He's a Gentile. He's a Christian now. Yeah. And I kid you not, I'm talking to people, and I ask them one question. Who is the Messiah? And, and they say something. I say, who is the Messiah? And I just keep asking the same question, and I finally get to them to say, he's a Christian. I finally get to that point. <laughs> they say he's That's a Christian. A Christian, and I think it's because the church is, is got you thinking that he died on the cross, and like you just said, where's the Jew? With the yeah. Jewish part of this Push thing is that he's died on the cross for us. He's ours now. You blew it. Yeah. You Jews, you blew it. You That's had right. your chance. You blew it, and he's ours now. You know. And, and you know, you're exactly and this right. Blows me away. Now. Yeah. Well, it's amazing because now, as we read the scriptures, especially this portion. It, and you tie it back to the Isaiah Haftarah, it's pretty obvious. He never gave up. He's waiting. 
throughout the Psalms. Really, if they would just turn, I would heal them in an instant. I'd be Johnny on the spot. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Now, what the other sad part... Oh, go ahead. If God forsake his people in Israel, then the Gentiles, are they have no hope to right. die. Right. Because if he can forsake He's his people in Israel, then he can forsake... You or any other Gentile. So he's fact, moving to the Muslims he next. Cannot Jews, right. Christian, then Muslim. Mormon. Mormon. His people <laughs> is the only reason anybody else can have any hope at all. I think that the, the 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 thing that I like to grab onto is I have always been taught and raised to believe that I'm 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 a part of a two thousand year old faith. And it sounds so cool. And it's horse hockey. <laughs> it's not a 2,000-year-old faith. It's a 6,000-year-old faith. And I'm coming in right at the end. That was a hint. Jump on it. <laughs> it's so old. And, and that's why the sages remind us throughout the prayers and in their writings that it's the God of our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, back there. It's, it's not the God of Paul. I mean, it is, but that's not who we're talking about. That's, that's not where our faith begins. Absolutely. And just to further that, for this particular month, Elul is actually an acronym for the Hebrew, meaning that I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And so uh, that just says it right there. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship. Let's talk about the Aramean. Okay. okay. So we're for those of you following along in the description, we're probably going to close with this unless you come up with some other topic you want to talk to uh, at the end of this. So basically, um, you want to go back to the beginning. 26. 26. Well, so the context, of course, is, uh, I'm just going back to the beginning. So when you come into the land that Adonai, your God, gives you, right? So... For 40 years now, you know, we've been taken out of Egypt. For what purpose? To go in to possess the promise. So now, when you come into the promise, right, you take the first fruits from the land. You go, you, you, you go up to the to the temple or the place where he, he's chosen to make his name rest. Uh, and you'll tell the, this is verse 3, you'll tell the Kohen in those days, I declare today to Adonai, uh, to Adonai your God that I have come to the land that Adonai swore to our forefathers to give us. And then you make this proclamation, uh, an Aramean tried to destroy my forefather. I have a wandering Aramean was my father. Right. So, yeah, so the English translates it as my father is the wandering Aramean. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Hazal translates it as an Aramean tried to destroy my father. Although Hazal in the prayers, we're the Aramean. Right. So in Shakarit. That's right. Right. So, so the question is, I was a wandering Aramean. That's right. Now, he says that very. He says that, that's that the phrase. phrase, right? Now I read in English, the wandering Aramean was my father, which could work if I was the Aramean, then my dad was probably an Aramean. I mean, my dad's Italian, so... And well, you've so, got so the an Aramean trying to kill me. Well, but so how's your dad? <laughs> <laughs> well, the question is... The question is that verse 5. So why did... Why does... Why does Art Scroll... 
Jewish publication, right. translate and hear me and try to destroy my father. I mean, because, and, and of course, if you read some of their commentary, the Aramean they're referring to is Laban. Yeah. Okay. okay. Because Laban is called the Aramean. Sure, yeah. In several places, right. it's called the Aramean. Now, Jacob lived in Amram and Padanaram for right. 20 years, right? And so, in that sense, he, I guess, was also an Aramean. Well, his father did too. Yeah. That's sure. his father came from there. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Abraham. Was he, he left or right. the yeah. So they so the whole faith comes from from that. Which, by the way, Aram would be modern day Syria today. Uh, Syria and kind of uh, Eastern Turkey. Uh, uh, that whole little area right there. Uh, all goes yeah. in one three places. Yeah. Right. So, so this is where Paul was from. Mm, Tarsus. No, no, I just spread it over. Really? Like, um, you think about it, it, Syria, Turkey, and Iraq all deal with the Kurdish people? Okay, Kurds right. is the area. Kurds is kind of that general Jeezy. area, I think. So cheesy. That, oh, so that's, let's, let's not weigh those words. <laughs> so that's geographically where that's we're talking. You're really milking it. Oh, So, anyway, so. The, according to Hazal, this is a reference to Laban, Laban. the Aramean, who tried to destroy Jacob. True, right? And and Laban is a kind of is this sort of type of the uh, he's he's somewhat a type of an anti messiah in the sense that he is always trying to connive to thwart what God is trying to do, right? right. Like he 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 has in some ways he has some outward trappings of righteousness but he's really self-serving he's really out for his own best interest and he's really yeah, exactly and he's always trying to thwart what God's doing right so you make this declaration because it's almost like look we've gotten to the land we've entered into the promise and now we're bringing up the first fruits and we're re- we're kind of recapping here how we got here okay and Aramaeans I'm just you know and Aramean tried to destroy us. You know, we went down to Egypt. You know, we were, we were, you know, we were there. We saw affliction, travail, oppression. You know, God took us out of there with an outstretched. So it's almost like you're, re, you know, kind of summarizing how you've now gotten to the promise. You you come into the land, right? You've arrived, um, and uh, but it starts with acknowledging that the Aramean tried to destroy us. Right, to So there's a, there's also you know from an eschatological perspective, without getting into a whole deep conversation there, there is a view that again this Aramean because Laban is has some of the characteristics of you know of the anti messiah in the sense that he's always trying to get the upper hand on God and His people. Right? Worth the plan. That that there's. This is also a, a hint as to who the anti-Messiah uh, will be or where he comes from, right? And then in the prophets, you know, there's passages of, regarding the Assyrian, right? All right, uh, which is all, which is same that same same, same geographic area. Yeah. And so it's time period that this may, may happen, like because when he came down from Egypt, you know, people are coming back to the land, right? Basically. So when you then look at, if you then go to the book of Revelation and you look at some of the uh, passages and description and imagery there of 
the, the, the last three and a half years and the persecution that ensues against God's people mm-hmm. um, before they again enter into the promise, right? That there's this kind of, it's, it's kind of, it's recapping history, but yet then there's almost kind of a prophetic right. significance to this Near and far kind of thing. Right. Okay. Um, but the Aramean being a hint to this antimacidic. All right, so I can I can see how if I'm a Jew, my an Aramean try to destroy my father. That works. I can see also how my father could be an Aramean, and I also could see then how I would be an Aramean if. So. You're both right. It all works. It's scary. I think that part of their interpretation there is um, that the the word is um, avad. Yeah. Surf, uh, which, which I think um, can be interpreted like penalist or lost. It's actually Obed. Obed, Obed. Obed. So it's like, but the, the, the actual letters there, like you take the vowels out, the vowels are there because the, the, the scribes interpret them. It's Abad, or can be, I think, um, which literally can be like linked to destroy. And it's intriguing that you, you bring up the anti Messiah. It so happens that in Revelation chapter 9, it talks about there being these weird, funky, scorpion creatures. Oh, those guys are cool. Um, yeah, you know, the, the side channel see the things. Um, <laughs> and it says, and verse 11, chapter 9, Revelation, says, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, like the destroyer. But in the Greek tongue has this name, Apollyon. And it's intriguing if you think about, like, again, going back to the anti messiah language, it's like this concept of a destroyer. Um, and so it's links mm, to mm, um, Asatan like and like the it. enemy of God. That's kind of that's cool. Yeah, the whole thing is really linked to that end, like you were saying. But just because I, I pictured the the whole thing starts with when you are in the land, which of course that's where our goal is to be is in Jerusalem, and then you bring the first fruits because you know to do that. So you're obviously keeping the Torah there. And then the first thing that you do after you acknowledge from where you've come, then it talks about acknowledging your salvation because then it, it describes one of the greatest physical acts of salvation, which was the Exodus from Egypt. Absolutely. So then it, it just really the end time, the last redemption will be greater, according to Jeremiah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we'll be proclaiming and and saying, which also relates back to Luke when it talks about them worshiping. And That's right. Yeah. Doesn't it remind you of the Birkat Hamazon? Yeah. It, why are we Why are we commanded to do that? He tells us. You're going to eat. Land. You're going to have good land, and you're going to eat, and you're going to get fat, and you're going to forget God. He's providing in abundance, and you're going to forget Him. But what will we? That's what He just said in this passage. In your abundance, in the abundance that God's provided you, you're gonna don't 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 forget. You've got to be obedient. You've got to you've got to stay with God. Otherwise, and then I got that long chapter. There won't be what you had in your abundance. You are not going to have in your lacking. Well, too many people Stop. see God as the uh, you know, my emergency credit card or something like that. Yeah. Well, if you get me out of this, I'll I'll give you you know. I'll, I'll be, behave and stuff like that. And work it. Oh, please, just let me get the you know get this house I want and stuff yeah. like that. I think Satan actually can perform some of those guys too. <laughs> <laughs> good. All right, final comment. Anyone? Yes, ma'am. Just a question. Um, the third year 
you know, the tithe of the third year. Do we have a clue as to when that is? I mean, is do the calendar, present calendar, do we know when the third year is? I think, is? can I, when was Schmidt was four years ago? 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Schmidt. Yeah. Schmidt has no. It's a jubilee. We're in the middle of the cycle, seven year cycle right now. Okay. Well, so is this the third year? No. This is the fourth year. Okay. 2008. Thank you. About to start. We're about to start. It's also really important when considering tithes, we have to be careful to see if some are only applicable for being in the land. Uh, which this is exactly well, so. yeah but if we're aligning ourselves with him and wanting to be obedient to his word wouldn't we follow that no some, no. some of them are specific why, why would you land. why would you not sacrifice a bull in your backyard exactly no i understand no, 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 that no, the temple no, no, is not present but you've got to do it at the temple even if the temple oh, was the present temple. you can't do it in your backyard the you have here? to do the sacrifice at the temple, right? Well, I understand that. Well, we can't do the, this the, is for trees in the land, okay. not trees okay. outside the land. Okay. It's the produce that comes from the ground that he promised. Okay. And then you've got to put it in a basket and put it where? At the, the altar. altar. And that altar can only be True. in one place, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we need to. There's no question you can choose to take, you know, the first fruits of your crop and, and give it away. But okay. that's. But not what he's talking about. You think about a 30 year tithe, but again, that's also produce. I think that the sages would teach that if you work a normal job and don't work in the field, you're actually not obligated by the Torah to do 10%. Yeah, but it's not even a matter of obligation. It's, just, it's not because it's food people want. Right. But yeah. it doesn't the third, mean. The third year tithe is what well, you would put in your cities to yeah, for the, yeah, right. for the well, orphan, the Levite, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, the widow, the yeah. stranger, yeah. the right. orphan. Yeah, right. so we could still do that. You, you can do anything you want. The question is just, is it, a tithe? is it a tithe and is it keeping this command? And the answer is no. Okay, so then the tithe... There's a difference between ma'aser and, and tzedakah. There's the charity. We can do all the good works we want. That's why I say, when I'm, walking in the, when I'm walking on that path and I come across the bird's nest and I've got the opportunity to take the, the, the young and shoo away the mother... That's, that's considered the least of the commandments. If I've got an opportunity to do that, I can have that opportunity anywhere on the planet. And there are several commands that we can do anywhere on the planet. But there are also others that have to be in the land. That doesn't mean that I can't provide for widows and orphans and, sure, and Jews sure. and all that. I just can't. I, don't, I just don't get the checkbox. You can do it in the third year. Field, if you I, I give you an example. <laughs> Mint and cumin are weeds. <laughs> right. yeah. One weed to one person and, and, and is an herb first, to in the first century, In the first century, some Pharisees were hiding their mint and cumin. And Yeshua said, go ahead, tie your mint and cumin. In other words, you're exceeding what's expected of the law. In other words, uh, but, but it's not tithable. In other words, mint and cumin are not tithable because they don't, they're not planted. You don't plant them and, and harvest them. So it's in the same way, unless you plant and harvest something, it can't be part of the tithe. And if it doesn't come out of the dirt of the land of Israel, it's not tithe. That's right. But you, by the way, that's, that's good. the oral Torah. Yes, absolutely. And Yeshua says, do that, but just make sure you're not re- forgetting to do the weightier matter. And the weightier matter would be care for the poor. That's charity, and that's what we should be doing. 
And yeah. actually, as far as charity goes, um, the command on that is significantly higher than 10%. That's right. Because the command on charity is that you should take care of those that you see who have need. And that's the that's the definition. And it's not. And it's interesting that when you if you pray the morning prayers, you go to a certain section and it says there are there's a quote the, the, the helmet there. It's like there are three no things that have no prescribed measure, and one of them is charity for It's like you can do as much as you Edge want. Or feels. It's, it's actually kindness and chesed. Actually, I think from one thing that I've read, actually Trump. Sadaka, because there's not a monetary value that can be placed on sure. And that's the other thing, too. There's lots of definitions of how you can take care of the poor. Um, exactly. Some of the best are providing work. Actually, the sages teach that the best thing you can give to someone who's lacking is to give them a way to earn money yep. because that it upholds the, their sense of self-worth. That's the highest level. And yet, at the same time, it also provides for their physical needs. That's a peace course. Peace course. Oh, my goodness. All right, I have. Uh, it was the same. <laughs> 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 yes, um, it just uh, struck me as we were listening to the question before. Um, it struck me differently this year how it ended. I think. I think the end of the portion. Um, where was the list of just terrible curses and, and terrible, horrific things that would happen. But it ended with, you will go back to Egypt. Mm. And I hadn't really seen that line before. It just jumped out at me this time. And I was thinking, this whole journey started in Egypt, where they were slaves. Right. And this, it was ending with, you will go back to Egypt and you'll ask, it'll be so bad, you will want to be slaves again. Sell you a slave. You will ask, and, and no one... You can't even become slaves again in Egypt. It will be worse. Um, so, so the whole it's and it's not as a big circle. We started out as slaves in Egypt, and if if you don't uphold this law, it's going to spiral downward. It, you will be worse than when you started, yeah. even though you thought that slavery was so awful and you were crying out to God to save you. It's going to be even worse. It'd be even worse than yeah, that. That's a good point. And, 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 and didn't that happen? I mean, when the, the Babylonian exile, most of them went to Babylon. But the ones that left, they went to Egypt. Yeah. That's true. That's how we got the, the whole community down in Alexandria, which is where the master went, when, you know, to get away from Herod. Or actually, his, his parents went and took him shut. As you were reading the most prophecy this morning, yeah. I mean, some of them are really, really uh, well, graphic, and but really just atrocious. You know, yeah. eating oil your children and other things. But the, but the reality is, those came to pass. I mean, we we can read in the scriptures Prophets. when uh, Jerusalem was sieged, and the people were trapped in the city, and they ran out of food. Yeah. They started yeah. eating their children, and, and and so that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, it's just astonishing yeah. to think that it can actually come to that. Yeah, to go to to go to the king and say. We we made an agreement. Kill this her kid today and eat him, and we're going to kill her kid tomorrow and eat it. Oh man! He also says that there's a ton of other things that I haven't even mentioned here that can happen. That's to you really, well, that's where going. It's just it's so bad. It's just worse and worse. All right, let's uh, let's pray. May Master of the Universe fulfill our request for good, satisfy our desire, and grant our request. Pardon all our iniquities and all the iniquities of our households. 
a pardon of kindness, a pardon of compassion, and purify us of our errors, our iniquities, and our willful sins. Remember us with a favorable memory before you and consider us for salvation and compassion. Remember us for long life, for good life, and for peace, good livelihood and sustenance, bread to eat, clothes to wear, wealth, honor, and long life, engaged in your Torah and your commandments, and intelligence and insight to understand and discern the depths of your mysteries. Grant a complete recovery to all our sufferings and bless all our handiwork. Decree upon us good decrees, salvations and consolations, nullify all harsh and evil decrees against us, and dispose the feelings of the government, its counselors and ministers upon us for good. Amen, Amen. and so may it be your will. That is the prayer that we will be praying every day between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, if you happen to be one who prays the prayer. God bless you. Good job. Just for the last year, you're going to keep it far away.